sunshine, rocking the good time with all our friends. Easy and carefree, out in the summer breeze, loving a simple thanks for hours on end. Right about sundown, we lay on the ground, count on the stars as they come out one at a time. Ain't this a sweet life? Hey everybody, I'm X Factor winner Tate Stevens, and welcome to the Sweet Life Podcast, where we talk about everything from music, sports, food, entertainment, and, well, just living the sweet life. Hey, everybody, it's me, Tate Stevens, and as always, AJ Crunk. Yeah, man. Uh, we got a great show uh, for you today. This podcast is, uh, I've been looking forward to this um, pretty much since the idea. I was like, you know what, I need to have one of these guys on, um, and I couldn't think of anybody better to have than my buddy Shiloh Harris. So uh, here, here in just a second, I'm going to introduce you to um, retired Staff Sergeant Shiloh Harris, so y'all stick around. Staff Staff Sergeant, retired Staff Sergeant, Shiloh Harris is on with us today. What's going on, my friend? Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. You know, Tate, I, I actually, I feel like this was the perfect timing. I know that we had tried to uh, touch base in December, mm-hmm. but man, what a better way to kick off the new year than be on Tate Stevens' show. <laughs> and then, uh, obviously, AJ, which I just met. Yeah. Sorry, AJ, but, uh, AJ and Tate's show, man. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, well, I appreciate you get, making the time for us uh, this evening. And um, you know what? It's this is easy. I, I, I've had a lot of my friends on, and and from the music industry and things like that. And and I try to make it as easy as I can. Um, you know, we're just it's pretty much just going to talk about you for a little bit and and uh, what's going on, what happened, um, and uh, what's coming up, what the future holds. Uh, you know, and short term, long term stuff. Things like that. It's going to be easy, but uh, I'm excited to get going. So if you haven't heard of Shiloh Harris, just uh, make sure Google him. Um, Google me, right? <laughs> and you can kind of find out yeah. a lot of stuff. Um, right off the bat, you come from a military family, as I did, and um, your dad was in Vietnam, right? Yes, uh, we about Vietnam, th- my grandfather World War II. And he also served in Korea as well. Yeah, so comes from a military, a long line of military. Um, and and now, did you did you know you wanted to be a military guy, or was that something that you were kind of like, eh, it, it it could happen, or if it doesn't, it's okay, or were you just now, nah, hell, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it? You know, that's one of those conversations that's sometimes hard for people to have because uh, you know when I was younger, yeah, you know, my dad, and my grandfather, of course, had a heavy influence on my decisions. Uh, and I wanted to join the military, but I was a bit of a hoodlum. And uh, anyway, <laughs> I got in trouble. You know, none of it was real serious stuff, but it was enough to keep me out of the military at a younger age. But when 9 11 happened, you know, I was 27 years old and I was thinking, dude, they're bound to take me, you know, because the desire was there. Okay. I always wanted to join. And then when 9 11 happened, of course, I was thinking, you know, this could be a, a win win opportunity because I want to join the military this might be an opportunity that they would actually take me because we're going to war. Right. Right. You know, it just worked out for me. So yeah, 27 years old and I finally got to join. So it was nine 11 and I hear you JP. There's so many guys that I've gotten to meet. Um, and, and this is through helping a hero. Uh, this is how I met Shiloh five, five years ago. I meet Shiloh Harris. Um, and, uh, 
Here's the thing, and, and I tell everybody that when when and AJ got to go to Florida, you guys were in Brazil or somewhere. You guys were in Belize or whatever jungle you guys were in over <laughs> <laughs> over the holidays. So I took uh, AJ and I. We went to uh, West Palm down to Mar-a-Lago and um, uh, did an acoustic show for Helping a Hero and things like that. But that's how I met you the first time. Like five, it's going on five years, almost six years now. Um, and when I'm I, and and as a as somebody who who truly honors the military as I do, and, and I respect the guys who serve, the men and women who serve, um, I was not one of those people. I could do it if they're like, you have to do it. You know what I mean? This is what you have to do. You got to serve. I could do that, but just as a as an option for me, not the best option for me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's nothing. <clears throat> it's kind of weird. It's just like I think. I think it's the structure of, of the military. It's just, it's hard for me. Structure's hard. I'm so disorganized and kind of dysfunctional in my own little in world. So um, the, the structure of military would probably do me great good, but um, I couldn't handle it when I was, especially when I was younger. But anyway, so I, I meet um, you, you veterans and, and, um, and, and we're going to talk about a word that, that people call you as a hero. And, and I'm not going to use that term loosely or lightly because it is true. What you guys do, you, you do give up life and limb and, and things like that for, for us, for, the, for us non-just um, civilians, right? So we can go on about our day and not have to worry. So, but um, when I met you, of course, now when we'll get into the story, you were badly burned by IED, right? And um, the car blew up. And you were on fire for several minutes, and it was bad. Um, so when I met you, obviously, I was taken back. And, and I'm like, oh, my God, how did he survive this? And, and how is his, his demeanor so good talking to you? You were, you were so bright and, and just, man, it was, it was awesome. You made it easy. You made it very easy. Uh, JP with his two fake legs, um, he calls them magic <laughs> his magic legs. It made it easy for me, right? And and I and and I know I understand that's part of the process and the healing, right? And I get it. And we'll get into all this too. But you made it easy, and it was awesome because we had so much in common. We both like to hunt and fish and stuff like that. You're a Texas guy, um, you know. So the boots and jeans and hat that's it's all it's it's who you are too. So it's like. It, it just that connection was cool and it was immediate. And I thought, man, this guy is awesome. You know, there's something about him. I'm drawn to him just to talk to him. And it's it's it was awesome. And your wife, your your lovely wife. Um, I remember, and, and I don't know if you'll remember, we we did that morning show. You and I had to go do the we were in San Antonio yeah, or Houston, yeah. And we did that. I don't know, yeah, that's the idea. One of the Fox stations there in Houston. Yep. And so, um, and it was for helping a hero event. Um, but anyway, so beyond that, so that's how you and I. That's the first time we met, like five, six years ago. So it was awesome. Was, was that five or six years ago? Yeah. I thought. Okay, so I, I'm just going to tell you. I thought that you and I had met uh, around the same time that you did X Factor. I did the Extreme Makeover. Remember through Helping a Hero? Or did I guess maybe we did meet after that, but it, it seems like we had some kind of connection back then. Well, and, and maybe we did. And, and here's the thing. Um, when uh, That was 2012 Home Extreme or Extreme Home Makeover did your 
your house, right? Um, yeah. And that's the year I won the X Factor was 2012. I and man, I'll be honest, that part of my life, that year, year and a half uh, of my life, um, I don't really remember much. My, <laughs> I know what you're saying. I feel it, the same way. It was upside. My <laughs> life was upside down. It was, truly was upside down. I didn't know if I was coming or going. It was weird. It was a weird time for me. So we might have met then. I would have rem- I, listen. I would have remembered that a hundred times. So I believe that the Helping a Hero event was the first time that I had actually got to meet you. We might have been at an event together, you know, something uh, together at an event where you were at and I was at. But I don't know that I met you. And I'm 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 going to be honest. I would have uh, remembered. Maybe I'm, maybe it's a connection that maybe I thought I made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so anyway. As you said. As you said that year, you didn't know if you were coming or going. That was me at times for like two years, right? Right. I mean, it's just like a blur. Like you know, so you're just trying to keep up because things are mo- moving so fast. Yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. And yeah, absolutely. So, twenty-seven years old. Do you have a family at this point? When you joined? Yeah, I had a wife, a couple of kids, you know, and I actually had one on the way too. And so, yeah, it was uh, it was one of those weird times, you know. Uh, 9-11 happened, and I remember walking into the office with my boss, and uh, I couldn't get a GPS that day because I was doing land man. And when I got out on this big ranch, it was my first day running the crew. I mean, there's some dynamics here, right? And so, we had, this is before all the smartphones and all that stuff, so uh, I didn't really know what was going on in the world. I just knew we were out in the country. It took us an hour to get there. And now I can't do my job. And now I got to go back and tell my boss that I can't do my job. And I didn't know why. I thought it was my fault. So I drove all the way back into town, walked into the office, and I'm like, man, I got some bad news. And then uh, I just happened to look over at the TV because he had the TV going over there by the workstation. And I saw the second plane coming in, and he said, oh, my God, there's another one. And I was like, another one? What? I was like, what the heck's going on, you know? And uh, he said, Chalo. I mean, he just looked me square in the eye. I'll never forget the look in his eye. He just looked at me and he said, we're under attack. Our country's under attack. And I was thinking, oh, my God, what just happened? I still, I mean, I still had no idea what the hell was going on. Right. And then he finally, and I'm watching the TV, and then it's like, you know, talking about these attacks and Twin Towers. And anyway, I'm like, oh, my God. So, you know, I mean, like the whole, like a lot of people in the world, just like, well, everybody, everything just stopped, right? You didn't know what to do. You did, again, not knowing if you were coming or going. <clears throat> What's going to happen next? Is it going to be? In our town, is this you know like Red Dawn? Right, <laughs> you know, right. Nobody. Knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was already thinking, man. I'm gonna shave my head, grow a beard. I'm gonna look like that crazy sob running around out there in the dang woods with my rifle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there was so much shell shock in this country for a long period of time because we were invincible. We're the United States. No one's no one messes with us, right? You do, you get it was, it was a tough time for everybody and you know and, uh I just I, I wanted to join the military obviously, you know, because of the generational thing, but at the same time, you know, man, like you said, you know, it's like dude, we're under attack. I was like, man, I want to do something. I want to make sure I'm I'm doing my part, mm-hmm. whatever that part needs to be. And I felt like the best way to do that was join the military. And the recruiter, he told me, he was like, well, he said, you know, I can probably work with you. But, I mean, he made me work for it, you know, because I had, like, three or four MIPs, you know. And it was, like, minor in possession. You know, little things, like, when you get caught, you know, being out there, you know, once they know where you party, well, you're going to see the law there all the time. They got your number. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, well, nothing real bad. And I was like, yeah, I said, I'm, I'm actually a pretty big, good dude. You know, I'm a, I just had a couple of bad luck, got incidents. Yeah. And he did the work, He, you know, the paperwork. But he literally, he said, I can get all the stuff that you need in one phone call. He said, but I, I'm not doing that. And he said, if you really want to join, you're going to go do this and go do that. And I did too, man. I did every bit of it because I wanted to join. Uh, man, he made me earn it. I so, had to do interviews. Right. Yeah, it, was, it was a big deal, man. So now you you join. Let's fast forward a little bit. You get in, boot camp, basic training, all the stuff. And that was what, 2000? No, when was that? That was So there's 2001, um, right? And then... I wanted uh, after that. So it was in March uh, 2002 okay. was my start date. Okay, so you're in... Um, you now... Um, where, what, what battalion group, what, what were you in? Where were you at? What did you sign up for or get into? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. And, uh, I guess I probably could have said that when I was talking about, you know, the recruiter and stuff, but, um, yeah, I, I decided that, <laughs> okay, well, another part of this is kind of funny, but, uh, my dad, I asked him, you know, I was like, what should I do? You know, he's like, I, I wanted, I figured he'd be all gung ho cause he was infantry airborne guy, you know? And I figured he'd be like, dude, go out there and combat and blah, 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 infantry, whatever, you know? And anyway, the first thing he said was, maybe you should go talk to the Air Force first because it's more like a career. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, what? It was almost like strange hearing him say something like that. Right. Uh, but, and then uh, he's, he's like, He's like, yeah, he said, uh, man, combat arms will make an old man out of you, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I, went to the, I went to the Air Force recruiter, you know, because one of my buddies was an Air Force uh, colonel. And, yeah, no, they wasn't having me at all. They're like, you're 27, and you got things on your record? No, 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 no. I'm like, all right. <laughs> uh, I'm walking out, and I figured I was going to go door to door until somebody took me. Right. Well, the Army recruiter was waiting on me. It was like he saw me coming, man. He's like, I come out of the Air Force door, and he's literally leaned up against the wall like, what's up, bro? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right, all right, let's go do it. Yeah. And I went and signed up for six years. I joined uh, the United States Cavalry, which is also combat arms. Uh, and, uh, man, it was, it was a great decision. I loved it. I yeah. loved doing what I did. Loved being boots on the ground. And, right. Uh, where did you? Where was it. your first deployment after you get through basic and, and tech and all that? Where was your first deployment? Uh, first deployment, so I went to Germany. I guess you you know you kind of consider that an deployment, but it's more of a duty station. Right. But yeah. Uh, so my first duty station was in Schweinfurt, Germany. I was with uh, Big Red One. A lot of people know the Big Red One as the division, First Infantry Division. Right. And uh, I was also a part of One Four Cav, which a lot of people call it a quarter cav. It's kind of a famous. I don't know if they call it a regiment, but it's more of a squadron. Uh, squadron and uh, brigade and that sort of thing. It was a great group. Loved it. Uh, loved being out there with, that, with those guys. And it taught me a lot, you know, especially getting to see Germany. Uh, yeah, then within those three years that I was stationed in Germany, I ended up going to Iraq. And that was my, my first uh, deployment. Flew into Kuwait, and then we got staged there, and then we drove right up Highway 1 into uh, Baghdad, and then uh, kept going all the way to... Right, just right below Tikrit. Mm, okay. And we had a big mountain range, and then uh, Tikrit, and then it was uh, actually not too far from where uh, Saddam Hussein was captured in the uh, in the hole. So that was where we were stationed. We were stationed up there, and we worked pretty much that whole area. Uh, it was it was a big area, but we ended up they were moving around a couple of different places, and 
I got to see a lot of Iraq, a lot of history there. Right. It was, it was really amazing. Now, but, uh, so that was your first deployment over there, and then you went back for two. You did two tours over there? Yep. yep, yep. <clears throat> man, that was kind of what I was getting at, too. There, uh, you know, that, that first deployment, man, we got to see so much of Iraq. And, you know, we had some engagements, you know, uh, uh, seen a lot of stuff, taught me a lot, and it did prepare me for that second deployment, which was with the 10th Mountain Division. And this was this unit was a one eight nine cav, and it was actually stood up. Uh, it, it wasn't activated until we took over the the name. Uh, but my commander, he was a bit eccentric. I love that man. He's a great leader, and uh, anyway, he he wanted to uh, wanted to be a little different than the other guys that we were deploying with. Uh-huh. And we're so good, man. We were we did a lot of good. Uh, unfortunately, though, on uh, February of two thousand seven. My vehicle, my Humvee, hit a roadside bomb that they estimated to be about 700 pounds of explosives buried in the road. So now, for for us civilians who don't understand how bombs work, um, that it's it's a homemade it's home, they're homemade devices, right? They these dudes, well, I mean, but they're 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 well built homemade devices um, that they they try to to get you with and and. 700 pounds i mean that can that can do obviously did a, a great deal of damage to your vehicle and, and everybody in it and everything around it but yeah. like put it in perspective of um of what like um a grenade like our regular grenade like a grenade that you could throw um what's the difference in a 700 pound ied and like a grenade something that you know to to reference a reference point of uh, how how bad that is yeah, that's really a great question. And, uh, you know, you talked about JP earlier. Uh, you know, he, this would probably be a better question for him because he was an engineer, I believe, or at least a, a, he uh, was a bomb sweeper. And, and uh, so, you know, he had to probably know <clears throat> a little bit right. about bombs. But all we know is we look for anything out of the ordinary. Uh, you know, which because IED, you think about that term in general, and you're talking from the civilian standpoint, most people have heard the term IED. Right. They know it means bomb or something that's going to explode, but it actually stands for, uh, oh, dang, here I am. I said, I went blank on it. Uh, IED, improvised explosive device. Right. Improvised really means it can be anything, you know, like the larger bombs that, you know, we're talking about the 700 pound bomb. That would probably be like three or four or five tank bombs buried together with a, some kind of a detonation cord attached to it or a trigger. And in our particular case, it had a trigger where somebody would either call like with a, a cell phone or pushed a button, you know, kind of stereotypical. But at the same time, that was that was how big the bomb was. Um, but something that a lot of people don't know is that, you know, we adapted to the way that they would detonate bombs as much as we could. I mean, we had so much stuff hanging off of the Humvees and jammers and this and that you know, all kinds of preventive medicine, but sometimes, you know, the, the disease keeps figuring out how to stay strong, you know, and it's like, as we adapted, they adapted. And it was just this vicious cycle. Right. Because <clears throat> we knew what we were looking for. I mean, just about any way you could imagine detonating a bomb, they that's what they did. <laughs> we, had to, yeah. we had to figure it out, you know? Man, I, what was it, 19th? I think is what I read, February 19th. Hey, good memory, Tate. 2000, 2007. Um, 
And would believe it's been that long? It's, I mean, you think about this, 9-11-2001, we just had the 20th uh, memorial. I know. Like, that's what, 21 years now? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. And a lot of us, it feels like it was not that long ago, you know? I, I Yeah. And, and to that point, you know, 2007, when you think about it, you're like, man, that's kind of a long time ago. 2000 yeah. even, you know, when, when, when yeah. but, but to you, you probably live that a little bit more frequently than most. Um, and it, and it probably gets closer that, that gap and that date get a little closer, um, for you on, on well, certain things. It. You know, I mean, I still live it. I still talk about it. I, when I get up on stage, you know, and it's not just with, uh, helping a hero. I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm a motivational speaker. I have to tell the story all the time. You do. And, and, and that's what I'll, I'll get to. Yeah. We'll get to that as well. And I want you to, I want you to list everything that you're a part of. Um, I have a few things that I know that you're a part of, um, just from our conversations and stuff like that. And, and like I said, if you, uh, if, I'm not making my plug, I'm just talking, I'm just having a great time visiting with you. No, no, I know. I know I'm going to, I'll keep plug. <laughs> I'll keep plugging for you, but I'm, I'm just saying, um, you know, for, for, for our listeners, for, for the people who, who, who uh, listen to our podcast, um, for them to understand certain things, I want to I want to make sure they understand. Like when we say little things, if you say something, I might have you say, "Hey, man, what that? What does that mean for us? For us laymen out here, us civilians, we don't might, we might not know." Um, but also, just just the fact. So, two thousand seven, you, your accident happens. Your wow. your Humvee is destroyed, and and for the people who want to see the pictures, you go get his book. Um. And the pictures are in there, and there's yeah. pictures of you before the accident and after the accident. And um, I don't know if I showed AJ. There's his Humvee. The top picture is before, and the bottom two pictures are what happened to his Humvee. That's what it looked like. Good grief. You might wow. be able to see the hole there also. I don't think I answered that when you asked that question a moment ago. You said about how proportionate as far as the explosion and damage I mean, dude, it shredded my Humvee. Yeah. I mean, the wow. hole is as big as the Humvee and, you know, probably two, three, four foot deep. I mean, hell, I don't even know, bro. Yeah. I mean, 700 pounds, what is that? That'd be like the three of us taped together. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 and we still might not make 700 pounds. Right. I right. You got to but I mean, that, that's a big bomb. Yeah. And, and, in in that defense, for I mean, not even defense. That's just the the way the the vehicle looks. Like I said, you guys can check this all out on. I'm sure there's there's stuff on online, but go get the book Steel Wheel. It's it's amazing. I've read it. Uh, my my son's read it. Um, but anyway, you and you talk about it. There's like I said, there's pictures in this book, um, so you can kind of visualize what what we're talking about here. Um, so car blows up, bam. Poof. Boom. You're on fire. I know you told me at one point you said you knew you were on fire. And you could feel you could feel you're like, I'm I'm melting basically. Yeah, I was still in the Humvee. Uh, you know, after the explosion, they of course, you know what, after everybody could come to the vehicle, they of course tended to who that they knew needed the immediate help, which was I was knocked unconscious. So that's why when you said that a moment ago, I was like, oh, no, no. And then I was like, oh, okay. Well, there's another part to that. 
but yeah, so I was knocked unconscious and I don't really know that I was on fire or even involved in the fire yet until, you know, a few minutes had passed. But they come over to grab my driver because he's awake and he's fussing, you know, they're trying to take care of him because obviously he's alive, uh, you know, so it was the right thing to do. They left me in the Humvee, but while I was in the Humvee, there was a secondary explosion and we had a, the AT4 or the handheld rocket in the Humvee in case we had to do a dismount operation or something. And uh, anyway, it cooked off and it caused like this fireball inside the Humvee, which burned me and injured me more. Well, they were in their mind, they were thinking, well, if he wasn't dead before, which they thought I was dead, he's certainly dead now, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because of the secondary blast. And then all of a sudden I woke up and kicked myself out of the Humvee. Now, one of those moments while I was in the Humvee, though, was like, you know, since I was the truck commander, first thing you do is call up a radio report. So, you know, I was trying to keep the mic. I wasn't hearing anything, so I had to throw the hand mic down. Uh, and I just looked to see what was going on around me, but I don't even really remember what I was seeing because it was like I was looking through straws. So this is one of those moments where I'm like, okay, I know I took a hit, but, you know, I know I got to get out of this Humvee, too, because I could feel the flames around me, and I, I knew I needed to get out of the Humvee, although I didn't know how hurt I was. You know, I remember my uh, right arm, I was pushing on my door, the only door left on the vehicle. The other three doors were blown off. The entire top of the truck was blown off. And uh, anyway, I remember pushing on the door and my arm felt funny. I looked down and my uniform was melted into my skin. And I was thinking, man, it's got to hurt. That's it wouldn't hurt. That's got to hurt. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, you know, because it's like I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, why doesn't that hurt? You know, it just felt weird. Yeah. So, you know, as I'm pushing out, I finally get the the door open and I get out of the Humvee and I'm just taking in everything, the smell. I was probably smelling myself. I didn't know. You know, I know that's probably pretty gross to think about, but dude, I was like, I didn't know what was going on. I'm still trying to put things together. You know, everything's like jumbled in my head. All of a sudden, I see everybody over there messing with my driver. And I'm like, Hey, what are you doing? You know, I start barking orders. I'm like, who's calling up a nine line? Who's doing this? Somebody pull security over there. No, no, no. Well, everybody's just looks and staring at me. And I'm guessing nowadays it's probably because they didn't know who I was. You know, probably, I mean, I probably look like a hot mess, right? Oh, come on, I was good. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. There, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> see so just hold on just a second so aj when when you when you meet these guys these wounded these these guys that um we do these things for that's how they are that's how they make it comfortable sure for everybody yeah. and and it's it, so it so it makes it easy and and so it's always like that. They're always good like that too. Yeah. And it, it just it, yeah. Okay. All right. Go on. Keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. And you're right, Tate. You know we do try to make people comfortable because it's not easy. I mean, honestly, we can see. And I know that it's not always malicious, and people don't mean anything by it. But I see how some people look at me sometimes. You know, like kind of that shock and awe. Like, Where's that dude's ears? You know, I'm like, he's missing fingers. You know, I mean, I get it. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes we meet people like that. You know, the thing that bothers me, though, is if they continue to do it, you know, like, right. like kind of like it, you know, and uh, my daughter, oh my gosh, my daughter, she's lived all of this, right? 
you know, she was five years old when I got blown up. Uh, I have seven kids, by the way, in case y'all didn't know. I think you and I, you and I talked about that, Tate. Yep. So you have kids too, right, Tate? Yeah, I have two. Yep, two. Right, got two kids? Yep. Uh, what about you? Uh, uh, tell me your name. AJ. 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 I started to say it, but I was thinking I'm going to screw it up. Because <laughs> we were talking about JP. I was like, I got my initials mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a daughter. <laughs> yeah. So I have one. You have a son? <laughs> What's oh, that? Okay. Yeah, he's got he's got a he's got a daughter. I have a boy and a girl. But uh yep. Well yeah, so seven kids and uh, my daughter, she lived, you know, every bit of it. Uh but uh yeah, I remember, you know, there's been times that she would go to my defense because we'd be out in public and people would have a hard time sometimes eating. You know, they'd be looking at me and wouldn't even be able to put food in their mouth because they're busy staring. And I remember one night, well, she got so mad. I think she was like a 10 or 11. And she finally jumped up and kind of looked over at that table, like cut her eyes at him and said, you know, he got injured in Iraq, right? Show a little respect. And I mean, it was just like, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I didn't expect that out of my little princess, but you know. She just, she was like, I'm sorry, daddy. She's, I just couldn't handle that anymore. <laughs> good, good for her. Good for her. Good for her, though. That's perfect. Uh, she's tough, man. She made me feel real good. Uh, uh, oh, and uh, something else I wanted to recognize, Tate, as you said earlier, you know, about my lovely wife, Jamie. Thank you for that. Yep. Uh, she's a sweetheart. I love her so much. Uh, she's, she's been a true blessing in my life. Uh, I can't say enough good things. She's been doing counseling and just continue to do great things. Yeah, thank you for that plug, brother. She's a good girl. Good girl. Yeah, she loves you. So blown up, we're we're on fire. Um, now now people now they understand. Oh my God, that's our guy. That's Shiloh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you for bringing me back. Man, I got a little sidetracked there. I did. I <laughs> no look. It's squirrels here, bud. That's all it is. <laughs> well, we said hot mess, and everybody laughed. And, yeah, you know. <laughs> no, it's all good. So, so uh, now they realize, okay, oh my, he's alive, a, but oh my god, yeah. So yeah, uh, they got, they come grab me, got me away from the vehicle, and uh, li- li- right before that, uh, th- this is what I was talking about. My body armor was on fire, and the material was melting and running down my leg, and so I remember I could feel my leg burning. And I remember looking over and my body armor was on fire. So yeah, I was on fire. That's when I realized I was on fire and I took my body armor off. So I was standing there beside my home B in the middle of the war zone and body armor, Kevlar's gone. And, uh, anyway, uh, there was bullets flying all around me and I didn't know it. All the bullets that were inside my truck were cooking off. Oh, they were trying to, they were trying to get me away from my home V. And anyway, I couldn't hear him because of the blast. Right. One of my buddies come out there and he grabbed me. And when our when our bodies connected, my ears popped. And as soon as my ears popped, I heard it. It was like this pop and a zing, pop and a zing. Dude, bullets flying all around me. And I didn't have my body armor on. So my buddy had to come out there and grab me, man. He's, he's trying to get me away, get me to safety. Mm, uh, man. You, yeah, you don't. Know. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. There, I mean, you think about it. When they get hot, they're going to explode. Yeah. That's gunpowder in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. There's a truck full, there's a truck full of it. <laughs> <laughs> you, guys, you guys are shooting. You're shooting at your own self at this point. Yeah. You're shooting at your own self at this point. You got things. That's, oh, my goodness, man. So, 
kind of like you say, you're dodging bullets. I mean, you know, I survived one blast or survived the second blast, and then the bullets here. I mean, can't tell me God's not in the middle of that somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So they take you. um, Obviously, they get you out of there. Where do you go? Do you go to Germany? You go back to Germany to the hospital, or do you stay there? No, so well, they stayed you in Iraq, of course, but the, ideally they, they get you out of there as quick as possible. You know, you're on a flight into Germany, yes, because that's one of the uh, uh, closest uh, uh, for, for Europe uh, to get over there, and and it's a kind of a funnel. I mean, pretty much everybody comes into uh, oh dang it, what is that one? Uh, Bethesda. No, not It's not Berlin. Launch stool. Okay. Oh my gosh. I thought I was going to lose my mind there for a minute. <laughs> I can't even remember the name of the hospital. Launch stool, Germany. And anyway, everything, everything, everybody comes through there and then they distribute them out to whatever hospital closest to their perspective base. And I ended up at uh, Brook Armory Medical Center. Okay. Now, did you know how bad you were hurt? Could you, I mean, before you get to the hospital, I mean, or, or was this a, ongoing thing like oh my god i'm every time i wake up i'm this is going on or every time i wake up this is going on or whatever or were you just out i know they put you they had to medically induce you into a coma for it was over a month right yes sir yeah uh, so uh, yeah that, that's a good point i guess i should have said that. Is that when you're when i was in germany when i said they got you got me staged they get me prepped you know uh, the last thing i remember is i was going into the operating room my driver was with me. We didn't know what had happened to our other soldiers, our friends. And I kept asking, because I was a truck commander, I kept asking, you know, where, where's everybody at? Where's my guys? Where's my soldiers? Where's my guys? Where's my soldiers? And nobody had tell me. I don't know if it's because they didn't know or maybe they just didn't want to tell me because I was all messed up or what, you know, but, uh, you know, trying to keep my mind off of it. But uh, the last thing I remember is I'm in the OR and I feel I'm like pulling on my clothes and like cut my clothes off and stuff. And it's like really vulnerable. I mean, it's so, I don't even know how to describe it, man. I felt so weak. It's probably like my weakest moment at that time because I mean, they're like cutting my clothes off and I can't even feel like I'm able to move, you know? Right. And I don't know where my guys are. I'm kind of lost in this moment. And uh, of course, I'm wondering what the hell is going to happen next. I didn't know how bad injured I was. Right. I mean, I knew I was trying, at this point. I'm starting to really feel things. I'm starting to feel the pain, and it's extremely uncomfortable. And there's this doctor standing up here at the head of my bed, or the head of the the you know rolling rolling cart thing. And uh, anyway, he says he looks me square in the eye, which is probably the first person to look me right in the eye. And he says, "You'll find out in a couple of months where your friends are." So that's the last thing I remember. Wow. And I was that moment I was incubated and it was like this really dark alternate reality that I was living in. And, and I guess a lot of people talk to talk about it like a dope dream, but it's almost like reality. There's things happening in my dream that's actually happening in reality. Oh, wow. But it's like my imagination is making it dark and kind of twisted. You know, it's like I could hear people's voices, my family. I could tell when they were near me, but I couldn't communicate. I couldn't touch them. I couldn't talk to them. It's all so dark, man. Ooh. And I say this a lot. It's probably as close to hell as I ever want to be, bro. It was oh. so bad. Oh my god! So you—that's in reality, your family were—they were there talking to you or visiting or whatever—and you could hear them. Now, how did you? How did you know that? How did you know that that was? I mean, did they talk? Did they tell you, "Hey, this is gonna. 
you know, or just is that talking to other people who've been in your situation? Well, this is me now, you know, I'll put it together, of course. And yes, I have met other people that's been in comas and they say the exact same thing. They say it's like this, it's like you're living a life, but your imagination is creating kind of like the, uh, the brick and mortar thing, you know, like, it, you, you know, there's buildings, there's, there's, you're seeing vehicles, you're seeing stuff, but it's all dark and creepy looking, uh, kind of like a, what's that strange world? No, Stranger Things. Stranger, Stranger Things, things yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's like that. It's like this reverse world. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, that's the best way I can describe it as hell. I mean, it's just so bad. <laughs> wow. I'm never going to be there again, wow. ever. Well, yeah. 48 days. <clears throat> 48 days. You uh, were, and that's you the were... official. Uh, but it's, you know, after you're being that medicated... They don't just like flip a switch. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. Oh, that's it. 48 days. He's on. He's good. He's back. Yeah. So the first two years was kind of a blur. You know, the probably the first three years, I have a hard time building a timeline. Right. I, well, and, and, and I mean, how many surgeries have you had? Uh, to date, since, since I, I got injured, uh, I've had about 80 surgeries. 80. Uh, I got hard. No, just so you know, I mean, 80. That's a drop in the bucket to some guys. Some guys have over 100. I mean, I know, I don't want to say anybody's name. You know, I don't want to divulge any personal information. Right. Uh, but a couple of the burn guys, you know, they're t- talking about, like, having over 120, 130 surgeries. I'm like, damn. Oh, my wow. God. I don't know. But what I did is uh, I would go into multiple departments and do it like a drive-through. You know, I'm like... Okay, you guys are going to be working down low. You guys are going to be working up high. And if you guys are going to be working over here on the right, let's all get it done at once. So that way it's one and done, one recovery, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. And, and worked out. So I don't know. I don't think that the numbers add up like, you know, three times one. You know, it's, it's more like, you know, one surgery. But I had three different things done. Okay, right. So that way, you know. Still. <laughs> I didn't want to go on to the pot more than more than I had to. No, oh no. I mean, I don't. I don't even. I had a colonoscopy a couple of weeks ago, and I was <laughs> dreading it. You're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I'm like, honestly, I didn't even want that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think anybody really looks forward yeah. to that. No, but but you know, what I, mean? I mean, I understand. So I'm like something as easy as a colonoscopy. I mean, and now you gotta you have you have all these surgeries and all this time, this recovery. Um, therapy, physical therapy, you know, because you're missing digits, you know, um, and and now on like on your hands, I know you said uh, if I remember right, you were like a couple of your fingers were just gone, they just burnt off, and and then you had some to had to be removed, um, because they just wouldn't, they couldn't get them to to come back or or you know, work or whatever because of the damage that had already been done. So it was easier to take them um, or better for you in the long run to take them. Right. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's along those lines. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't know how that all worked, you know, because I was incubated. I didn't really have a choice, you know? Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, I do do, I do this a lot too, though. When I go to the golf course and they ask me what my handicap is, I'll just hold my hands up. I'm like, man, what are y'all picking on me? (laughs) 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 Sometimes uh, I'll be around UT fans and I'm like, you know, when I was going through my recovery, they asked me if I wanted to keep these uh, pinkies. But I told him, I was like, I don't really need them. All I need is my giggles. Like, oh, you see, I'm like, what? Oh, 
that's funny. <laughs> so, so I've you had some fun with my fingers and stuff. And you know, I've come to terms with it. And I, I will tell you, man, I, I do feel extremely blessed. And I think that's why, you know, earlier you said something about, you know, how when you met me, it was kind of like a light. And, you know, and I get that a lot. And I think it's just because, you know, how some people let their injuries or let, you know, their disfigurement or bad hair. Some people let their bad hair ruin their whole day. Right. You know, ruin their whole life. Right. And I've never seen it that way, man. I'm, I'm still me. I'm still Shiloh. Yep. And I'm not going to hide in the closet just because I look different now. You know, in fact, I, I think I do pretty good. I got a beautiful wife, you know, and she's really smart. And I've been really lucky to have good people in my life. And, you know, God gave me a voice. So I'm happy to use it. You know, so 2000, what, 12 was the, the uh, extreme home makeover thing? How did 2011? Uh, they 2011 and they were wanting to do like the Christmas special, uh-huh. so we had to literally keep it uh, keep it quiet for a year. <laughs> it was it was kind of wild because we're in the house, you know. Every now and then I'd wake up and somebody'd be on my front yard taking pictures. You know, I remember I went out the back door and uh, I was still in my pajamas. And he say, I, I mean, I didn't necessarily look nude or anything, but. You know, I had like this little half man robe on and some shorts, you know, and, and I walk out on the back porch and I got my coffee and I'm like, dude, somebody's on my yard, like in my backyard, <laughs> taking pictures. And they just wave at me like, oh, hey, what's up, man? Like, I'm like, dude, this is not a park. <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. You know, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm very thankful for my house. But, bro, you are literally in my backyard. <laughs> it, like seven o'clock. Morning. I'm drinking coffee. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Should should have knocked on the front door. I already got you a cup of coffee. We could have talked about it before you just show up in my yard. Absolutely. So, how did that? How did that come about? How did the extreme home makeover thing come about? Now, is this where you meet Meredith? Is this how your ties with the Helping a Hero and Meredith that whole thing comes along, or was this a little after that? No, that's a great question. Uh, you know, Helping a Hero is so near and dear to my heart. They because I didn't feel like I deserved a house. You know what I mean? I'm a burn guy. I'm not an amputee. You know what I mean? I have lung issues. I have this, these, I have things that go on and I have some mobility issues sometimes. Right. But for the most part, man, I'm, I'm really able bodied. Right. I work hard. I work out, you know, and, and, uh, you know, they started, Meredith called me and, and said, uh, one of your friends nominated you for a house. We want to build you a house. And I'm like, well, that's that's great, but I have a house. And I was like, let me give you some names of people that you're gonna have that need houses. You know, because I worked with the amputees and stuff all the time. And uh, anyway, she's like, yeah, that's great. Send me the names, but we're still gonna build you a house. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, one thing turned into another, and it turned into the makeover house. And uh, you know, I still feel very humble at heart about that because, man, that's a big generosity, Chase. I mean, take, you know, that's a, that's a huge generosity. Uh, but these houses, yeah, as much as it hurt me, as far as you know, my pride and that sort of thing, uh, it was such a tremendous blessing. The smile on my daughter's face, the smile and love that I've seen in my children's faces. I mean, it just it made it worth it. You know, it made it all worth it, and to have that that peace and security of not having to bust my butt you know, to keep my house cool or have to go set in my truck because my house wasn't cool enough. I mean, or I, I mean, I ended up with lung infections about every three months yeah. and that agency system literally changed the quality of my life. So, yeah. but 
at certain points, you have given a, you have given part of your life. You have given part. Um, you've given part of yourself to this country. So it's okay that we we build you a house. It's okay. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense to you. I mean, well, that's one of the reasons I've stayed on is because I had to come to terms with it. And it's like I said, once I've seen the benefits, once I've seen the asset side of it and, and how much of the assets were quality of life and so life changing for me and the kids, you know, it was just, right. it was, uh, it made a big difference, you know, and I had to come to terms with that. So now that's something that uh, Helping Hero has me, has me do is I'll come in and, and I'll consult the veterans, you know, on some of these issues, you know, like, okay, so I know this is a big, big deal. And they're like, yeah, this is huge. I, I don't know, you know, da, 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 da. Yeah. and I'm like, but I can promise you it's going to be worth it. And so, you know, I go ahead and start easing them into it because, uh, you know, not everybody got that luxury. It's like one minute I got a call and I'm getting a house. And then the next minute it was like, Hey, by the way, it's going to be the ABC's makeover house. You're going to be famous. You know, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do famous. I don't know if I can do that. Well, so after, so after the show, like you said, you got people just showing up to the house, taking pictures, doing all this stuff. And, and, and it is a little weird. I mean, that's, that's odd to, for, you know, for, for just a normal person, um, to be like, Oh, like you said, you're out there on your back porch drink. You're like morning, <laughs> you, know, like, you know, uh, was there, was there any adverse, uh, adverse things that came out of that were, were, I mean, Obviously, all the good and and that comes out of you know, like I said, now you don't have the lung problems, you don't have your your issues with your breathing, um, and you can stay cooler, you know, and and because you don't sweat very much, you don't you, you don't have a lot of sweat glands from all the scar tissue, right? Is that is that why the your body can't regulate temperature like it did or like it should? Is that why well, you? I don't know who coined the term, but. Uh, <laughs> I heard of one, another bunch of survivors that had been through it a little bit longer than I had. He said he used the term uh, real feel, meaning, you know, what we feel is usually about 10 to 15 degree difference. That's how it feels to us. It may be 73 degrees, you know, in the in the room, but for a burn survivor, it feels about 83. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. All right. It's hot outside. It's, it, for us, it's like really hot. And uh, you're right. You know, I, do, I can do it in spurts. Um, and you know, it's like I said, I'm pretty fit. I push my limits. Sometimes I, I make mistakes and I push myself too far and I get sick. I get heat exhaustion pretty easy. And of course, you know, after all of this, you know, I mean, uh, it's, it, I probably shouldn't be pushing it the way I do, but you know, it's like you just said, as they talking about beliefs earlier, you know, my wife and I, oh my gosh, I wanted to be at Mar-a-Lago so bad. And, uh, Meredith, she had called me and but, uh, this is, so my wife and I, we just started doing bucket list trips. Right. You know, we're at that age, you know, we're, we're, I'm, we're both close to 50, you know, and, and uh, we both worked our butts off our whole life, you know, and we, we've done pretty, we've done okay, you know. Right. Uh, I was going to say pretty good, you know, but, we, you know, we, we've done okay, but we've worked for a lot of it. and so grateful for the things that we didn't have to work so hard for. Uh, but, you know, I say we're getting to that point now, you know, where we know our clock's ticking. You know what I mean? So we want to enjoy some of those adventures before life runs out on us. And Belize was one of them. And so I was like, 
Belize, Mar-a-Lago. You know, we'd been planning this trip for over a year. And uh, I was like, I got to do the Belize thing. You know, we'd already had everything booked. And, right. And it was amazing. But uh, yeah, it was heartbreaking that I missed the event because I know it was so beautiful. And, and of course, I got to hang out with you again. Yeah. That made it worthwhile. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was the coolest I was the coolest guy there. Just so you know, I don't you know, uh, no, um, I I uh, I get <clears throat> after the 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 home makeover thing, the fame. I, you know, you were on a ton of shows. You were on a ton of talk shows. You were tra- I mean, you had like a media blitz with this whole thing, and it's you know, like I said, it's it's uh, it's unnerving. Um, I know it was for me, it's up, you're upside down. You don't know if you're coming or going, you know, they're like, Hey, we need you here. We need you here. You're going to be on a plane here. And you got people telling you what to do. And you're like, wait a minute, time out. I have to poop. Okay. (laughs) And there's no time for that in here in this schedule. You know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do some things, you know? And, and, uh, so you you have zero time for yourself at, at certain points. At least I did. Um, but so you you do this big nationwide media frenzy with the house and everything that's going on. You start getting you and and not you weren't recognized before anyway. Now you probably can't go too many places where people go, "Hey, that's that guy. That's him. I saw him. He, he was. Hey, you're the guy. You know, uh, you're the burn guy that was. You know, you you got blown up in a car. You know, and and, and everywhere you go, um. It, it, how does that affect, or is it kind of now you're kind of numb to it? Probably now you're like, how are you doing? Nice to meet you. You know what I mean? You probably, at, at least there's got to be a little bit of that too um, going on where you're just like, okay, I've, I've dealt with it. I'm okay with, with that certain thing. Um, you know, yeah. Is, is that how you are right now with it? I'm going to tell you, take, you know, hundred percent truth right now is that each person that I meet, if they recognize me for, you know, something that I did good, you know, a, a TV show or an interview or being on the Tate Stevens show, you know what I mean? Whatever the case is, wherever they recognize me from, I'm grateful right? because, you know, I do, I do this because I want to, I do this because I love it. I love being out there and helping people, you know, do the presentation. I didn't even know if I wanted to write a book, you know, and I just became a yes guy. You know, when I was going through my recovery, I didn't know what was going to happen next. I didn't know if I I didn't think I could be a soldier again in the same aspect, but this is me serving right now. You know, I'm serving my community. And when I volunteer with Helping a Hero or volunteer with any of these other veterans organizations, you know, it's because I want to do it. Yeah. You know, I want to do it because it's it's rewarding in so many ways. I don't always get paid for it. Some people think I do, you know, and, and that's fine, but, you know, I'm a soldier first and foremost, man. And, I, and my, my goal is to serve. Now, I, it's like I said, I did well. I got the book, you know, working on a movie right now. I mean, I've, I've done things and I'm going to keep doing things. Sure. Uh, sure. Because, and, and I'm grateful to, like I said, like you said, each person that comes up and shakes my hand, you know, I, I don't even, I don't even know if numb's kind of the word. You know, I guess you could say, you know, yeah, it doesn't shock me as much, you know, or it's not as fascinating as it was. Yeah, at the same time, 
anytime somebody comes up and shakes my hand, I'm I'm grateful. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I what I mean by that is now you're you're more <clears throat> not used to it, but you it's it's not as like oh hey oh yeah okay how you doing? Oh, yeah. You're like oh hey how are you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I knew it was good. I was just saying it's a, it, to me though. It's just like I lo- I love people so much. You know what I mean? I, I love being able to meet people and and. Uh, I don't know, man. You know, I guess this is my second my second chance at life, and, and I don't want to waste it. Yeah, I feel like I should just be grateful in every moment. You have to tell the story about when you were trying to get a new cowboy hat, and you're trying. Oh, to, yeah, you okay. you got to oh, tell this. <laughs> oh my God! I this this makes when you said when you told this up in Omaha. Oh, I I about I was like that. That's the best. That's this is hilarious. I mean, it's. It, Okay, just so you know, this is a true story. So Tate, he's, he's excited about this. It's my opener. So this is what I use as my opener. Now I'll, I'll tell you why after I say it, after I tell the story, you might have to remind me, but uh, anyway, so uh, I grew up out in West Texas around Odessa Midland. You know, we talk about the country boy thing, you know, Tate and I, he's right. It's like, as soon as we saw each other and we started visiting, it was me and him both were like, bro, we clicked. I like this, you know, <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, anyway, so uh, I was telling him that I grew up out in West Texas, but uh, I was, I think at this point, all I had was my, well, I had went and I bought some cowboy boots, had my belt buckle, you know, but I didn't have a cowboy hat yet because, you know, I mean, imagine my head, it's, it's had some challenges and this was kind of early on in my recovery, but I got ears. I had prosthetic ears. And uh, anyway, I have these little metal titanium studs and my ears just click right onto my head. They're like magnets, right? And so uh, anyway, I go into the Westmore store and I have my ears. And I'm not even thinking about it. I tell the little girl, I want to get a cowboy hat, but I don't even know what size my head is nowadays. Well, she goes and I told her, I said, let's just start small and work our way up, right? Well, she brought over a couple of hats. The first hat was like a child's hat, it had the elastic band in it. And it just barely sat on the crown of my head. Obviously, that one's not it, right? So I was pulling that one off. And she had this other hat in her hand, and she set it up there and popped it down on my head. But when she did, both my ears popped off. My ears <laughs> popped off and hit the floor. And they're kind of rubbery, right? And they're bouncing on the floor, and bro, I'm freaking out. You know, because this has never happened to me before. I, I, this is probably my first time ever even wearing my ears. And, um, anyway, I, I'm scrambling. I pick up my ears. I'm putting myself back together, and again, I probably look like a hot mess, right? <laughs> uh, so anyway, I scared that little girl because dude, my ears just popped off right in the middle of the store. And this little girl, I look over at her, and she's just like, you know, got this like god awful look on her face, like scared to death. And I felt horrible. I didn't even know what to say. You know, I mean, like I said, this had never happened. The only thing I could think of was. Whew, but that happens a lot to you, huh? <laughs> that girl, she was not having it, man. Um, I finished up in the store. And I told her, I said, maybe I don't need to get the hat today. Maybe I should uh, resize my ears or something. You know? <laughs> uh, I get on to my event. I get on my event, and I'm telling my friends about it. And uh, we were speaking at a church that night there in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, one of my really good friends, uh, Russ Murphy and uh, Danny Koch, they were picking me up. And Russ is a, a Baptist preacher, and or had been, uh, you know, in, in ministry off and on. And then uh, my friend uh, uh, Russ, he, I mean, uh, my friend uh, Danny, he's a, a Vietnam veteran. 
And anyway, I figured Danny would be the one poking fun at me because that's what we do as veterans, you know, like kind of poke fun at each other. Well, Danny's the one patting me on the back, and Russ looks at me and he goes, bro, you could have got a free hat. <laughs> I was like, what? And he said, when your ears fell off, you should have grabbed your head. Ah, ah, you know? <laughs> I was like, man, I probably would have got a free outfit if I'd have done it right, right? Absolutely. <laughs> That's so Honestly, I was, telling him, I was telling him about this, and I'm embarrassed. I was really embarrassed, you know, because, bro, I mean, my ears popped off, and it was just it was not what I expected how my day was going to go, right? And uh, I'm telling the story, and and uh, Russ looks at me, and he said, he said, man, he said, you need to tell that story on stage tomorrow. He said, because that's really funny. And he said, maybe it'll loosen everybody up and, and see how it goes. And I was like, all right, yeah, that's a good idea, you know? And I was trying to think of the best way to tell that story, and, and, I, and that's how I started it. I tell that story on stage. It opens everybody up, loosens everybody up, and... And we usually have a great presentation. So yeah, so he told that up in Omaha when we were there. What was that? Uh, was that November? Were we up there? October, November? When was that? Uh, yeah, I can't remember. October or November? Uh, November. I think it was November. Yeah. So it was like, right. well, I had finals like within a couple of weeks. So yeah. Right. So so he he tells a story, and I'm honestly, I if you could have been just a fly on the wall to see the reaction, you know what I mean? Just to see when his ears popped off and hit the floor. <laughs> I mean, who, what the hell? I mean, you know, that poor girl's probably like, Oh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, oh my God. And I just, I, Oh, and I know, I know it's not, it's funny, but it's not funny, but it's hilarious. And, and I was thinking that that did not just happen. And I think that's it. Cause usually I'm, I'm pretty, pretty witty about things you know i mean it's just it is what it is you know we witty with some of these veterans man because well they got jokes man these guys got jokes bro oh i know i know you're skinned and 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 that's what and that's what i love about um the events i get to do uh with you guys and and it, it is to me. It's I'm I'm honored every time I'm around you guys. I'm honored to be a part of helping a hero. I think it's a great uh, a great thing that what Meredith and them do. Um, I want to try to make it better. I want to try to make um, so these houses that they build for these guys are beautiful. Oh my gosh, they're beautiful. Um, and 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 they get to have a hand in so many things about the house and how they're built, especially for the amputees. You know, make sure the cabinets are low, the countertops are low, so they can get everything if they're in a wheelchair. If they're, you know what I mean, in the cabinets and and the bathrooms are accessible, bedrooms are everything's accessible for them. You know, so some of those uh, amputees and dude, this is one of the reasons that I'm so uh, passionate about what we do at Helping Heroes because some of the amputees, a lot of people don't realize, you know, that yeah, they they have adaptive grants and stuff like that, but. You know, I mean, some of these guys, they still don't have a lot of means, you know, they, yeah. they can't buy the, the, the things that they need. And some of them are young guys, too. You know, you got to think, you know, you didn't have money when you were young. I know I didn't, you know, right. I mean, I, well, I was, you know, sometimes paycheck to paycheck, you know, and then even with the grants, you know, the, you get in the minimum. So when these uh, these houses, when they're built, some of the amputees are having to take showers and shower on their stubs. Because they, their equipment won't, won't fit in there. I mean, this is just, it just blows my mind 
you know, like I went to one of my buddy's houses not too long ago, and uh, anyway, his shower was literally big enough for his chair. And I mean, I, my shoulders were touching in his shower. Right. And I was there kind of doing a discovery to, you know, see what, how he lived. And I, I was amazed. I was blown away. And, you know, and, and they do this. They live it. They, you know, that's their life. And, and, and they're okay. Yeah. You know, and they're mine. It's kind of like me with my mobile home. You know, I worked really hard. I bought me a nice mobile home. It was out in the country because I'm a country boy. And, you know, all of a sudden my AC can't keep up with my needs. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that happened. But you know what? I made it do. I, it's not like I whined about it. It, it was just it was a situation. You know, <clears throat> one so thing. Life, form, life transforming. Sorry, bro. Go ahead. No, no, no. And you're 100% right. And, and um, you said it. You said you said it up a thousand times. I've heard you say it. Um, when when helping a hero goes to these guys and these women, you know Susan, a great great lady, um, awesome to be around. Again, you know, I mean, um, when they when they give these homes and they say, "Hey, we're going to get you home. Here's a key to your new house." Every one of them. I know you did it. JP did it. All of them, they're like, I'm, I'm okay. You know what? But this guy, you need to go. This guy needs it. This guy needs it. I'm fine. I'm okay. Go get that one. He really needs it. Every one of them. It's, it's, it's crazy how, how selfless they are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, and I know, um, just talking to all, they're all like, we would reenlist today. Knowing what, what would happen again, we wouldn't change it. We would do it again. And they would do it now if they could. Even with missing an arm or a leg or whatever. You know, Ben up in Nebraska, um, good dude. Good dude, man. And they, and he, he said they might have to take – he has one – he amputated one leg, and he's having trouble with his other leg. So he's thinking they're going to have to take that one too. So oh. he could he could be a double amputee, but he's getting a house. You know what I mean? And I think they're the provisions for his house are if he will. You know what I mean? I think they're already thinking ahead um, because they might have to take his other leg. So they're going to make sure the countertops. They're going to make sure cabinets and everything are, and he can roll if he needs a chair to be in the shower or whatever. Everything will be there uh, if he if he needs that. It's already going to be done. So, um, but like I said, every one of those, every one of you, you've all said, I don't need it. Give it to somebody else. I'm, I'm okay. Um, every, every one said they would reenlist and do it again. Um, and that, and that's what, that's what's, that's for me. I'm like, God, dang, I can't, I cannot, you know, I can't fathom the thought of losing my leg or an arm, or whatever. I can't, I couldn't think, I couldn't see myself. You know what I mean? If that makes mm-hmm. sense. And I know they probably couldn't, and, and, and not that they would sit around going, man, I wonder what I'd look like with no legs. You know what I mean? And, and how my life would be. But knowing them, and seeing how great they do in their situation, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm mentally capable. You know? I mean, honestly, I, I'm I'm just you know that's just real talk. I don't know, well, you know, I don't know that I'm that, mentally capable. That's actually a good conversation too, right there. You know, you're talking about you know they, 
Honestly, when I went to Iraq, well, when I knew that I was going to go to combat in general, a lot, I believe, this is my opinion, <clears throat> and it seems to be true based on the conversations that I've had with other veterans, and especially wounded veterans. If we imagine coming home not on our two feet, it would be in a box. That's what you imagine when you go to combat. It's either you come back unscathed or you come back in a box. There wasn't no gray area for me in my mind. Right. You know, to come back like this, I think this is where a lot of people have a hard time jumping over that hurdle. You know, they're still hang on, hung up on who they were. You know, that life that they had before, you know, being an able-bodied soldier in uniform, in combat, rough, tough, arresting bad guys kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you wake up in the hospital and it's like, well, what the hell am I going to do now? Right. Yeah, I'm missing my legs, I'm missing an arm, I'm missing this. What now? And I think that's where that big shock is until something like this house, we're going to build you a house. And you said it right a minute ago, Tate. We. That's something that I really find uh, wonderful. Another really wonderful attribute about helping heroes, it's a family. Oh, yeah. You know? As dysfunctional as many families are, there is that component. Oh, but <laughs> hey, <laughs> listen, down, we're a family. Yeah, absolutely. there's not a lot of secrets in our family, you know. Right, right. I, I agree. I agree. And 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 you know, like I said, I I know I know in my heart of hearts that you know I want to continue to do whatever I can do on my side, um, and, and and to help all you know uh, in anything and. And whether it's helping a hero or other organizations um, like that, um, you know, it's it's and it's not about it's not about just gifting a house. It's not about just doing that. Like you said, it's about this this connection and and these networks of people that you meet and the everything that goes along with it. Um, there's so many opportunities to do things and to get out. One of the opportunities we were talking, um, and and I know there's an outdoors uh, thing with helping a hero, and I'm getting with them to kind of see what their mission is uh, on, on the big end, on the in in the big scheme of of outdoor world stuff. Um, but I told Meredith, I'm I'm I want to help run it. I want to help be a, a big part of that, um, just because of the the hunting and fishing that we do, and and just here in Missouri. I mean. Um, you know, uh, you know, I know you're going to come out with this year with us and deer hunt. We're going to get you on a big old Missouri whitetail this year. Uh, I'm going to film it. We're going to have a film crew. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to be in deer camp with this and, 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 you know, it's, it's about that fellowship. It's about the, the food and the, and the, and the stories and, and just being, being a guy, you know, it's just kind of a normalcy kind of thing. Um, plus being it, just enjoying the outdoor world and being in a deer stand, being in a, in a ground blind or, a, a, a you know, a box blind of some kind, you know, doing what we love to do, you know? Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited about that. We're going to the ATA show, uh, here next week, actually, I leave next week to go to the ATAs. Um, and you know, that's what we're doing there. I'm, I'm going to network and, and get these people involved in the helping a hero outdoors thing and, and, uh, trying to get that jump started as, as best we can. 
Um, so we can do the bigger hunts, not just the deer and turkey hunts here in Missouri, but we're going to go elk hunting. We're going to go, you know, bass fishing. And, and I'm coming to Texas. I come to Texas every year in March. So, you know, you'll have to come up to uh, Lake Fork and and do some bass fishing with me. Huh? And if I can help you out, promote that, I'd love to. I'll help you out any way I can. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll have to have you come up and and we'll do some we'll do some bass fishing at Lake Fork and and uh, catch some giants. And uh, actually, we have probably over twelve hundred acres that we're going to be able to hunt. You know, and we're gonna we're gonna see some bigots. You know, we're gonna see some big old Missouri giants and have the opportunity to kill them. You know, we're gonna right. get you on them, um, just like turkey hunting. You know, we're going to get some big old Eastern birds up here and, and we're going to go chase them. And for the ones who can, uh, and want to, you know, that's kind of my goal with this whole outdoors thing, uh, the helping a hero thing that I'm, I'm trying to get going. And, and, uh, there's also <clears throat> so many things that, you know, um, I want to do to help. And, um, like I said, I'm trying to do my little part that I can, uh, musically with our with uh, ordinary angels, and we give the ordinary angel award and things like that, uh, which is cool. You know, it's really cool. And, I, I, I can't remember where did the ordinary angels start. I can't remember that story. I know I've been around it. Uh, I remember the. I remember a little bit about the program. But do you remember what that was? So um, five six years ago, however long it was, almost six now. Uh, I met Meredith for the first time at that first event, uh, through, through a mutual friend. Um, I have a song on my first album, uh, called, uh, ordinary angels. Um, and she, she, she felt, she fell in love with the song. Yeah. Yeah. So, so she fell in love with the song and said, you know, she's like, it's my favorite song. I, we need to do something with this song and can, can we use it in the helping hero thing? And I'm like, absolutely. You know? So, um, her and I were talking, I was actually talking about a TV show, um, doing a helping or a, a ordinary angel TV show <clears throat> and, um, which still might happen. I don't know where, I mean, there's so many things up in the air, but, um, and I, and I kind of told her the gist of what it is, you know, um, it could be anybody, it could be a school teacher that stays after to read to kids. It could be a high school kid. It could be, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be a veteran. It doesn't have to be somebody who donates millions and millions of dollars to something. It can be the ordinary person that you see every day. And you don't know that that mom stays after to pick her kids up. And she takes five other kids that aren't hers home because they don't have a ride. And their parents don't have a car. You know what I mean? It could be anything like that. So that that's where it started. And 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 Meredith Meredith said, I have so many of those people that are part of helping a hero that donate time and they do certain things. And and so she made the award and I come sing the song. We give the award. And it's really cool. It's really cool for me. It's a humbling uh for me. And anyway, so uh, like I said, with that. I mean, I'm going to continue doing that until they tell me, "Hey, kick rocks, dude. We don't need we don't need that anymore." So, let yeah. me tell you something. We were talking about that, and now that I I knew that take, and I'm so sorry, I forgot about that. She, and that's why I say sometimes I get like one project mixed up with the other, but I knew that it was I knew it was significant because as soon as you said that, I was like, I think I need to ask him about that. Yeah, no, it was, and so now that must have been the connection. But I can tell you, an ordinary angel. I would have to say my mom 
because, bro, she has been there every step of the way. She used to come in in the mornings and have to hand feed me because I couldn't use my hands. Right. The only thing that she could touch was my feet because that was the only thing that didn't have bandages on them. And she could only touch my feet for like months. Yeah. And she'd come every morning, feed me, rub my feet and talk to me. And I mean, she is an angel. And actually, I built her an apartment on my on our property here because uh, my stepdad got sick. He ended up having cancer and he passed away a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. And so we move her close, you know, to help, you know, with anything that we could while she was going through that. And uh, anyway, bro, she does so much still. She comes in and she'll just clean the house and she's always doing stuff for us. And we're like, mom, you don't work here. And she's like, oh, no, I just want to keep helping you guys. I love being here with you kids and stuff. Oh my gosh. She always takes such good care of us. So awesome. If anybody deserves an ordinary angel, I say it's my mama. Folks show. I call her mother Teresa. <laughs> that's good, man. Oh, you see, exactly. And that's what, that's what this award has been. That's what it's kind of designed for. Um, and, and that's the intent of the award. So, um, you, you, you said, <clears throat> excuse me, you said, uh, how, how much of your body was burned? 38%. 38% of your body. Uh, mostly upper torso. Uh, my body is now about 85% percent car, uh, scar tissue because, because of all the grafting. Because where they do the donor shots, where they take skin, good skin, and then they put it over areas like this that wouldn't normally regenerate skin. And that's why my skin looks kind of weird. And it has this pattern that looks like expanded metal. Uh-huh. And so what they do is they'll take a piece of skin like this and then they run it through a machine that pokes holes in it. So that way it's like, it makes it bigger. But still, they took about, uh, you know, the rest of the skin. So about 85%. Scar tissue. Dude, I still look good in a bathing suit, though. I'm going to tell you. Mm. <laughs> like a every time I take my shirt off. <laughs> uh, well, and, and like I said, that I was wondering, you know, um, so originally 38% was burned, and then after all the grafting and things that they had to do to patch patch you up, basically, um, you know, so 80, you're over. <laughs> Golly, man. Damn it. See, that's, I mean, you think about that, mm-hmm. you know, 80% of your body. Yeah. Well, you like from the knee, you're good from the knees down. You know what I mean? Basically. Yeah. So they, yeah, they took my whole back and then they took um, like a piece of my chest and then my stomach. And it's weird too, because they just like peel it like an onion. And uh, somebody's like, uh, they're like, what hurt worse, <laughs> the burns or the graph? And I'm like, definitely the graph. Because I was awake for all of that, or at least a lot of it, I should say. Ooh. And bro, it was so painful. So I know this is kind of dark, you know, it, but we're joking. But it's, it's, it's still kind of crazy. But, dude, I remember one time it literally felt like they were skinning me alive because I was stuck to the sheet. Oh. And they had to tear it off of me oh. because my back, you know, is like, it's like a big blister, man. I mean, it was, it was so... Incredible, man. I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. And so sometimes when people say, oh, you're a hero or you're a badass. Well, you know, you said that earlier. I used to discourage people from saying hero because you're right. It comes with um, it, it, it's a tough title, especially for, you know, those of us that have lost friends in combat, you know, because uh, to, to, to us, those are the heroes. Absolutely. The guys didn't 
you know? And so when people, somebody says, oh man, you're a hero, you know, it's like, I don't discourage it because there might be a veteran that really needs to hear that. You know, they might really need to believe that they did something good for whatever reason. And so I don't discourage it. But, uh, you know, I do take the term badass. So people are like, you're a badass. Like, oh, I know. Dude, I, I it was so unbelievable. It would make toenails curl. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, I am a badass. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And maybe, maybe that's just, maybe that's it. Shiloh, that's, and we're, that's, that's what we should go with. Just, you guys are just badasses, you know? Well, and, and, uh, um, and I know you guys do so much. Like I said, I was looking through all the the non for profit things that you do, not just helping a hero, but all of them. You know, <clears throat> and and it's awesome, dude. It is awesome that you do it and you give your time. Um, and and I think, like I said, maybe maybe your journey through hell, maybe that's what it was for yeah. to to come out on this side and just be able to tell your story, help those people who need it. And and save save thousands thousands of lives because we all know how many wounded veterans there are out there thousands. Well, you know, earlier when I said that I have a humble heart behind this, and I'm so grateful when I meet people, that's because you're right, man. I know that the things that I experienced, I know that it was to make me a better person. You know, and I don't want to waste that. So, you know, I know that the military is not for everybody, that's for sure. But you know what? For those of us that, that did thrive in it, you know, and I, it, we we did well, you know, and I, I have no regrets about anything. You know, I, I'm so grateful for being on the show. I'm, I'm grateful for the message that we were able to share tonight. Yep. Uh, I do want to say something though about the VA, though. Uh, you know, and, and you're right. It is, there's still a lot of broken pieces there. You know, uh, uh, I know that they, there's, They've done a lot of good work at the VA. Yeah, they have hundred percent doctors. But you know, it's a, the VA is just like franchises in a way. You know, sometimes you have good ones and sometimes you have bad ones. Absolutely. Bad management for whatever reason, or maybe the, that team just doesn't click. Uh, but this is my advice for veterans that are going to the VA: is if you're not getting what, if you don't think you're getting what you need, be the squeaky wheel, because the squeaky wheel gets the oil, and that's the truth. You know, I've been successful at the VA. I'm not saying that it happened the first time that I was successful every time. Sometimes I'd have to bark. Right. Sometimes I'd have to be like, no, this is unacceptable. You have to be your own advocate. You have to tell them exactly what you need. And my dad, he was so horrible about it. He'd be, he'd think he's on his deathbed. And I'd be like, well, what did your doctor say? Well, I didn't tell him. I'm like, well, why didn't you tell them? Well, they should know. They should just know how to fix me. You know, they've been doing this long enough. And I'm like, well, that's probably part of the problem, Dad, is they probably don't know how to read your damn mind. <laughs> yeah, they're you not know? mind readers. Yeah, they're not mind readers. <laughs> <laughs> you have to tell them. You know? <laughs> no, 100%. And I'm, and I'm not, like I said, I, I didn't mean to, I hope I didn't mean, I didn't mean to say that all VAs are terrible or anything like that, but I know in the past, from just no, my dad's experience, you know what I mean? The 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 treatment that he's gotten in the past, it's like that's not good. And it shouldn't yeah. be that way. You know, and, and it's gotten it's gotten better. He's gotten better doctors in the last few years. So there are they're making those moves to make to make it what it should be. Um, but unfortunately yeah. it hasn't always been that way. And 
my view of the VA is, you know, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. And uh, and all I want to do is clarify, but, you know, because there, believe it or not, the VA, when I say, you know, the reason I advocate for the VA is because in a whole, they kind of have this bad persona, you know, like the VA bad, you know, because there have been so many failings. Right. But there's a lot of good people that work there. Sure. And there's some, a lot of them are veterans. You know, there's a lot of veterans that work there, but unfortunately, you know, some of that change takes years because of the bureaucracy, the political point of it. But here's something that I try to think about when I think about the VA is we're one of the only countries, not the only country, but one of, you know, a handful of countries that actually take care of their soldiers. You right. know, a lot of militaries are volunteer, you know, they might get paid, but if you get hurt, bro, you're, you're on your own. Yeah. Kind of like Ukraine. I went to Ukraine a few years ago because they released the book over there. They didn't have an infrastructure to take care of the veterans the way that we do. You know, not the quality that we have, although we still feel like our qualities, you know, a little diminished and it should be better. There's always room for improvement. We're still really blessed. So, you know, not just to defend a bad system, but they are trying. And, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that it's in place for me. But I know that there's just, like you said, a lot of broken components. Uh, the, the last thing I want to talk to you here, Tate, is, you know, and I, I know, like you said, we're trying to wrap this up. But uh, uh, there is one thing I wanted to, to tell you is, you know, something that I do, you know, and a lot of other veterans do too, you know, we, we lean on each other. It's a community. Mm-hmm. It's a family. And I think that all of these nonprofits like Helping a Hero, and one of the reasons that I advocate for multiple organizations is because it does take a community. It does. We can't. You can't let veterans, you know, fall through the cracks. It's not just the veterans that we're failing. We're failing their families, their children, you know, their wives, their ex-wives, whatever the case is. Yeah. You know, they're surviving family members. So, you know, it's it's a, our community for the patriots and for the veterans. and for It is our opportunity. It should be our opportunity to make sure that we're helping each other be successful every day of our life. All of us. Yep. I mean, that's just the way we should do it as Americans. We are a family. We're American, regardless of color, creed, regardless of any of that. I got you. We're American. We're under one flag. 100%. So, I probably act like it. You know, we're treating each other with. <clears throat> you know, I, <laughs> I I say it every show. We, we, uh, I do a little salute to the veterans and the, and the first responders and stuff like that. And, Every show, I say the same thing, or almost the same thing, because it's the truth, and, and it's... Um, I've never seen our country more divided right now than it is. I've never seen more people dislike somebody because they're a Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, you know, whatever. Whatever it is. Not not just political, I mean, even cultural views on, on things. And it's like, when... When when did it start? When did that big divide saying, okay, you're a Democrat and I'm a Republican. I can't see the way you see things, so we can't be friends. Or you're this and I'm that, and I can't see your way and you can't see mine, so we can't be friends. And you have to see my way. And I don't, you know what I mean? Because my way is the best way, whatever. We've never been more divided, and and it's it's so it's so sad when you when you see when you see it 
and it's everywhere. Um, every news, every everything, it's all about this or that. You're you're wrong if you believe this way. You're wrong if you believe that way. <clears throat> and and to me, I don't care if you're black, white, green, gray. Doesn't matter. I don't care. It does. Oh. It means I don't care if you're gay, straight. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. I don't care. That has no effect on me personally. But you know what? I don't need you to push your view on me. I'm not going to push my view on you. You know? Yeah. And and the good thing about our country that we've kind of forgotten, it's okay for you to be a Democrat and you to be a Republican and you to be black and you to be white and you to be green and you to be gray. It's okay. That's the that's the country we live in. We have those rights. We have the right to do, you know what I mean? We have the right, the freedom of speech, the freedom of press, the freedom of this. We have all these freedoms that no other countries really have, you know, um, because of the men and women who served this country to keep those rights going and fight those fights. So no one, yep. friend, no one can infringe on me. No one can, no other country can come in and put its paws on me and say, hey, you can't say that. No, yes, I can. Because we live here. And and where when did we stop lifting each other up? When did we start when did we stop lifting our neighbor and helping our neighbor? When did all that that stop? Because we haven't been doing it for, for a few years now. Because you're a Democrat and I'm a Republican or I'm I'm black and you're gray. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it makes no sense, and I say it every show, we need to get back to being Americans. We need to get back to loving one another, helping one another, raising each other up, you know what I mean? And be, get back to, and, and I'm not, you know, not trying to pimp any political view, but we need, yeah, to, be, we need to be back to being back to being America, to being the well, best at everything. To be in the biggest, the strongest, the fastest. You know what I mean? We need to be back. We need to get there. How do we do it? I don't know. I'm not a politician. I don't, you know. But you know what I'm saying? I'm, we and, and it's, it's, it sucks. It sucks because I see it all the time. Everywhere in this country, it's yeah. it's it's the same. And and uh, but like you said, the community of which these non for profits, the Helping of Heroes, and all the rest of them, it is a community, and it does take everybody to lift to lift up the ones who need it and it's, and it's okay. And it's okay to lift them up. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and so anyway, dude, look, brother, I, I can't wait to see you again and uh, hope it's sooner than later. And uh, I appreciate you and, and tell your lovely wife, I said, thanks for letting me have you for a couple hours and, uh, and, and talk with us and, and be a part of our show. Um, this is uh, to me, uh, one of the one of the best shows, uh, in, and I've had a ton of big artists on, you know, uh, country artists and things like that are friends, and and uh, but to me this is this is the best show I've had so far. Um, just visiting with you and you telling your story, and and I hope I hope if you're listening to this podcast, um, go by Steel Will. Uh, I know you got a movie coming out, or you're you're still you're still in the process of trying to make the movie. I know I'm in the movie. Uh, there's a big part for me in that movie somewhere doing something. <laughs> so, so uh, anyway, uh, with that, man, dude, I appreciate you. I love you. And uh, like I said, I can't wait to see you. 
Absolutely, brother. Well, I love you guys too. And again, thank you so very much. Yep. And right, let's get back to being Americans, love one another. And uh, you know, I have a rule: if uh, if you're here for breakfast, then and you're and you're willing to while well, we have breakfast, so I have a very diverse family. You know, we we've got we've got people all walks come in and out of our door. You know, and uh, but there is a rule that if you're willing to wait in it and you're willing to hear everybody's opinion and it's a, you have to agree to disagree. Yeah. Otherwise you're not welcome at the table. Hey man, you know, and I go, anybody, you, you gotta be, if you're willing to wade into it, if you're willing to make that step to it, you feel so proud about it or so, so passionate about it that you got to bring it up at dinner. Then we're going to talk about it hundred percent. And that's that's not a bad that's not a bad way to be. All right, brother. Have a good evening. And uh, like I said, man, I appreciate you so very much for doing this. Hey, man. All right, buddy. Have a good night. We'll talk soon. Thank you, sir. All right, that yeah, is nice. Look forward to seeing you in the future. Absolutely. Yes, sir. All right. All right. Good talk night. Yep. Bye bye. All right. There he is, Shiloh Harris, man. He is, he is, he is what he is, and he's as good as they come. And and uh, it's awesome. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we got to talk to him. I'm glad you got to hear a little bit of the story. Go check out the book, Steel Will, um, eBooks. I'm sure, and 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 go just check him out, dude. He's cool. He's a good dude, and and what he does. Um, now that he can't fight on the battlefield what he does the battlefield at home that he has and 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 that they're doing for the veterans and that in the talking he i mean he does motivational speaking he does all kinds of cool things and and it's all good man and uh you just got to lift guys like that you just got to lift them up and what's that what'd he say what'd you say i said he's still listening oh <laughs> oh, I thought we—I thought we already hit the button and turned you off. Oh, there he goes. No, there he goes. There he goes. That's ah, funny. No, he—he he is a good, like literally, he's a good dude, and um, that about does it for us. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, guys, listen. Thank you for listening to uh, this week's podcast, and and um, I don't know, it was a good one. So I don't know what we're gonna talk about next week. We'll think of something, I guess. <laughs> Won't be as cool as that. But anyway, all right. Thanks for listening. And uh, as always, man, uh, make sure you follow us on all the uh, socials and and tell your friends. Tell all your friends. Share, 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 share. Uh, make sure you leave us a comment so we can uh, see what's up, what you guys think. Um, and give us a five-star rating. All right. That's it. We out. We done. See ya. Ain't this a sweet life? Hey guys, thanks for listening. Want to ask a question for a future episode? Well, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter with hashtag Sweet Life Podcast. And be sure to give us a five-star rating and hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to stay up to date on the latest news and information for the Sweet Life Podcast. And we'll see you next time.